Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back, everyone, as we officially conclude the countdown to the Loudest Hell Festival in Drumheller, Alberta, Alberta, this weekend from August 3rd to 6th. Necronomicon is a Canadian death metal band based out of Labai and Montreal, Quebec, who released their first EP in 1996, followed by six full-length albums, the last of which being Eunice, released in 2019. Originally formed in 1988 by vocalist and guitarist Rob the Witch, Necronomicon has cemented themselves as some of Canada's metal OGs. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Rob. See you all at Loud as Hell. Rob, I want to thank you for joining me today. I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. And again, sorry for the mix up this morning. Yeah, no problem. Have you ever been to Loud as Hell before? And are there any bands that you're looking forward to seeing play live? Actually, no, we, we've never been there. Uh, as a Canadian, uh, I always wanted to play there. That and Armstrong, of course. Uh, the, the, the only thing that always bugged me, it's the fact that it's literally at the other side of the country, you know. Um, but um, I mean, it's it's just like uh, I, w- I was spending a lot of time in Alberta for some years ago. Uh, yeah, I was spending like literally like almost months at the time. Uh, so um, I was hoping to be able to establish establish something, but you know, the COVID and all that shit happened. So it changed a lot of plans, changed a lot of people's lives. Uh, mine <laughs> a lot uh you know so you it's it's just like it, it it happened now and i'm really happy about it you know uh, we have a you know with all the the covid stuff uh, uh just before the covid started we had the new management uh taking care of us and uh with anyone her entertainment uh you know taking care of us pretty well so you know that made the possibility like to uh, to be able to do to go there, you know. Uh, uh, actually, to be honest, uh, at the beginning it was supposed to be part of one date uh, of um, a tour that we're supposed to do, but some stuff happened, and actually, so it's going to be just a fly in and out. So, unfortunately, but that's how it things works. Sometimes, you know. Oh no! So. If you don't mind me asking, what happened with some of the other dates? Was it hard to secure? Oh, we just lost our drummer. Bands? So that's oh awesome. no! Yeah. Do you mind if I ask when that happened? He decided he didn't want it to. Do... Actually, that was not that tour the problem. That was the other dates uh, that we're because we're um, it's been a month now. I think we were in South America, mm-hmm. and he decided he didn't want it to go in South America. So. Well, like, okay, what the fuck, you know? Uh, it's a really good market for us. You no, know, um, we're going that headline, we're going there headliner and stuff, and you didn't want it to go, so it's as simple as that. So we, we said, well, we're going without you, so fuck it. So that was it. That was over. So to find someone to replace, uh, it's one thing, but to do like two weeks because we did two weeks in South America, but mm-hmm. to go like for like 26 shows, like an entire month on the road. So there was like, there was like the South American tour. There was like four day, five days off. And right after we were go- doing some dates here in the, in the East, and after that, we, we had a break and we were supposed to leave 
to to live for uh, to to go for the tour like i think it's next week or in two weeks something like that so it was really back to back and everything so you know he didn't want to do it and for us it was important to to do it so you know like i said it's 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 not that the people are buying a lot of merch and stuff there because people you know a lot of these countries are pretty poor uh but it's just it's a really good market the fans the intensity of the fans it's really intense and you know it's so we, we decided to go and we parted, we had to part away. We, we can accept that. Uh, and it was kind of like pretty not happy about, about, you know, all that stuff, you know. And so there was a no go. So we hired someone. We went there and we did the other shows we had to do here. And uh, yeah, we, we, hired, we have someone we hired for the festival also, so. It's unfortunate that you had to move so many things around on such short notice for being in the game as long as you have. So over the past 35 years, I can't imagine that being the worst thing that's come your way. So you probably handled it with some some grace and obviously some experience behind you. Oh, uh, yes, uh, yes. But still, it sucks because we thought we had like, 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 like we, we told the guy, said we had an, there was an agreement. There's been a meeting uh, about that, how it was working, like about money and stuff i mean everything was on the table there you know we put everything on the table everything was really cleared everyone agreed uh not so long ago we we i think last year we we had a, a meeting to put like a, you know revamping if i can say the term of uh, the terms of all the business that's going on with the band and how it works for the money and everything, you know, it's because, you know, you, you can't do a band just going, it's like, Hey, we're going to play there. And this at one point it became like a job. It, it, it's, it, it, it's, it's a job, you know, you need to always think about it. And when there's like certain numbers that are involved there, it start to be, you know, if you just look at the news and the music industry, a lot of things happen for money reason, bands, fights, and stuff like that. That was not the issue. It's just like on on this, what was put on the table, it was like all the terms of what we need to do as as members, like one guy do this, this is his responsibility to do this, the other is his responsibility to do this and this, this is, you know, and the guy decided that suddenly like that, that was no. And started to put everything in question. And it's like, it's, that's the past. Now you thought you, you've been thinking about it for a year and now you decide to not, to, that doesn't fit you because, you know, and this stuff that I want to talk, but you know, his attitude was not proper. It was you know, sometimes, you know, it goes to the head to some people, you know. Yeah, and I, I imagine this wouldn't be such a difficult thing to overcome if this was a discussion that you guys had far enough in advance or you had the proper communication at the time where it was appropriate. Yeah, that that, that was not a problem at all. Uh, uh, like I said, we, we assessed a lot of the 
things like just last year we had a big meeting uh, at our management uh, uh, with our manager and face to face everyone's there you know uh, sitting there and talking i said we put everything on the table we that's how it it works we we're going to fix it if you have something to say put it on the table because when it's done it's done and that would have been the time to do it it's not after like acting like nothing happened you know so it's as simple as that and it's not like you're just doing a couple of shows here and there it was a full a full-blown uh, headlining tour on a completely different continent so that throws a lot more wrenches how did yeah. you come up with how did you find somebody in such a short amount of time to play with you guys for that amount of time actually uh actually that that was uh that was pretty tricky because we had some people from here that were not available pretty much everyone was on tour actually uh people that we know that you know necromicon's pretty 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 fast uh, it's not just of playing fast, but it's, it's long parts that are fast. <laughs> it's not just like you blast for like one or two bars and it's okay. It's like 16 bars, like, like 280, like triplets on the bass rooms and stuff like that, you know? So uh, a lot of bass rooms, uh, actually it's someone from, from South America, from Colombia, that was like, hey, I know a drummer that's really good. So, uh, and I saw a video of the guy playing uh, Belfagor uh, stuff. I was like, okay, it's not bad at all, but you know, it's like, it's not the same thing. So we asked the guy, just wrote to the guy, say, hey, you wouldn't be interested to try to do that? You know, so send the songs. He said, you have one week to show us like some what you can do, you know, you're not doing the entire set, of course, in, in one week, but, you know, we were asking, I think, four songs or five songs, I don't remember. And uh, he sent us a video of him playing and uh, not not a recording, you know, like a, a tr just audio track. It was like we could see him, you know, playing the song, you know, playing with the song and everything. And he played, I, I, like I said, I don't remember how many songs, but uh, he, he always said, I'm going to do two shots. I'm going to be, a, he sent the first video, one video in 48 hours after of two songs. Of course, it was pretty rough because he didn't know the songs, but he was improvising a little bit, you know, just to get the feel. And few, uh, a week after he sent like a video of five songs, I think, or the entire set, I'm not sure. And I, we, we chatted like, uh, like we chat you and me, but with the camera and everything. And uh, just like, okay, you, you, you need to work on this, you work on that. And when we flew there, we, uh, we went there one day before, prior to starting the tour. And uh, we rented a studio and went to practice with him uh, in the after, you know, during the day. So that's what happened. And is this somebody that you've worked with in the past? No. So we played three hours with him, and after that, we, we went on the road. Wow. Not only did you have to find somebody on short notice, somebody that you didn't ha have any experience with, and not only that, but you touched on earlier how everybody in the band has certain responsibilities. Yeah. And since you only have three members, 
those responsibilities are obviously a little bit more intense than if you had more memory. Yeah, that's so how did very that, important. Very important. How did all these things change the dynamic while you guys were playing that tour? Actually, the guy, the guy totally adapted to... Uh, he, didn't, he didn't create any problem at all. I mean, zero. I mean, that guy just like, tell me how it works. And that's it. It's the only thing he said. And we said, okay, this, this, this is how we works. This is like that. That is the, the way we do it. And, the, and in 24 hours, pretty much everything was rolling. So, you know, then at the same time, I needed to have someone here for the, you know, learning the songs for when we, we would do the, the, the Eastern Canada dates. <laughs> so on top of being there, you know, like doing everything that's related to tour things. Well, I was talking with another guy here doing the same. You're going to learn the song, this and the send me a video, blah, 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 right here. <laughs> yeah, that was a, a little bit intense. Another guy that we ne never played with on top of that. Well, I mean, you've reached success not playing with this other person. So hopefully this uh, the second guy kind of follows suit now when it comes to replacing the drummer do you guys have any prospects in mind or have you been in in conversations with anybody mm, well i mean there's always people around you know but uh at the moment i'm not sure if i want to have something someone permanent because everyone it's gonna sound a little bit weird when i'm gonna say maybe it's because i'm old or whatever it, it looks like people these days are less dedicated. You know, they want everything right there fast. Uh, it's, it's like people don't realize that it, it takes a lot of work to, to get a certain, you know, amount of respect and uh, to acquire, you know, like a name because to be in the industry, you need to have a certain name to be able to, you know, some bands appear out of nowhere these days and they have success and after like few years, two, three years to disappear. A lot of bands these days are like that. Uh, you know, they, they're going to last for a few years and it's like a flying star, you know, a shooting star, you know, it's like, and enjoy what it pass. I mean, I, I never been running after success, you know, so it's why I, I'm still doing it after all this time. So to have someone that's going to understand that, you know, uh, I don't have problem with Rome, my best player. It's, you know, is, is really dedicated and really professional and have nothing to say. It's why he's still in the band. He's been a while, a bit in, a, in the band for quite a little while now. Uh, but drummers, as always, because for some reasons, we, we attracted like uh, younger people, uh, that I don't know. It's like uh, you go to do some festivals and you're super well treated. And after that, we say, well, next tour is a small tour. So, you know, there's less budget, there's less this and that. And you get thrown in your face. Well, we, ne we should never like lower or, you know, pay grade or, you know, or rank or whatever. So why you talk like that, you know? Why you talk like that? It's, it's, it's as simple as that. Why, why you, you, you tell me that? It's like, that's not how it works. 
you know i can imagine that being more of a reaction from somebody who hasn't been involved in music for so long however somebody who's been in the game for as long as you you've seen it come and go you've seen different styles of tours you've seen different lengths and like you said there's difference between headlining tour and festivals versus somebody where you're going as a support group so i mean from your side of things you're looking at as as like a business venture it's realistic this is what we can do this is when we're having to change things around yeah but maybe part of the problem is these new people joining just think that just because they're involved with a band that is so large and has been around for so long that they deserve more yeah well it, it started to be a problem at, at one point with some member in the past uh which i won't say any names but like uh they want to have attention and and have a certain you know how can i say like reconnaissance but they don't do anything to to put themselves you know and value you know in a valuable point of view you know like where people can notice them more you know uh it, it's not just like you sit on, sit on the drum and you i'm saying drum but you know stuff happened with bass player also it's not just the fact that you're playing an instrument and you know, you got to have endorsement thrown in your face because this it's, it's a lot of PR and talking and meeting people, you know, and, and also, you know, when you, you have the chance to be like, we're like when we, we, we went to the, the last tour in South America, you know, uh, which we were at liner, we, we've been very lucky to have almost all the dates were sold out. Uh, you know, you you can't go and after that, you know, doing like a show in a small town, whichever in Quebec province or whatever in Ontario, and you know that you you're gonna have fifty person, you know, and you, you can't you can't go there and it's like fuck them, you know, like I just want to play in front of like five hundred people and and up and. I want to have 5k and I want to have like, you know, this, you can't do that. You, you, I mean, you can't do that. Well, and as you touched on earlier, it's, it's the, the difference. And I think this is where part of it comes from is there's a difference between going and playing for the long game, having that longevity in the career versus being just a flash in the pan and having that instant success. So, I mean, somebody who's gone through it, like from your perspective, you know, exactly, or sorry, you know that you have to put your, full effort forward regardless of the size of, of stage or audience whereas some of these other guys might come in just seeing you know the Lorna Shores that have just blown up over one or two songs and hoping that that happens to them yeah 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 well that's a good example actually and you know that's 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 a kind of like if you go for the long run you better be ready because it's different you know I'm going I I like to play small places small towns and and have it i notice that most of the time people are more grateful because i say hey you drove all the way here that shithole to play for us you know yeah well yeah you know you know you, you need to there's places you need to go once in a while and just play for people you know you have fans when you have fans everywhere it's not just oh we're gonna hit the big market and fuck the rest you know no, exactly. And from an audience member standpoint, it's so much nicer to have like a smaller, more intimate venue because you have that interactivity with the musicians. You have the ability to go up and chat with them afterwards. 
for me when it's like a huge state uh, stadium or like a concert hall I don't get that same feeling and it's like they might the performance might still be as good but just the experience overall isn't yeah it's it's very different it's it's, it's very different and uh, some people don't argue don't don't agree with me and it's it's fine because they say, oh, yeah, you're playing in front of like like 40% or 50% and it's going to end up on YouTube and people are going to think, oh, you don't attract anyone. You don't have, yeah, well, you need to take it. Uh, I, I understand that point of view also. Because these days, people, they look on, on YouTube to see if there's people in your shows. But if you play a place like whatever, St. Catherine, Ontario, or freaking, I don't know, man, you know, Susan Mary, you're not going to have like 300 people, you know, you, you, you won't, as simple as that, you're going to have the metal fans that are going to be there, it's going to be, they're going to try to patch you with like metal car guys that have like a certain, you know, they're going to try to get all the metal people in the same place. And it's if you have a hundred on some small places, like there's like twenty five thousand people in the town, or thirty or fifty thousand people, you you won't have more much more than like a hundred, hundred fifty metal head there. You know, so what do you do? You skip that? I said, fuck, this is a shit hole. Or you dig a, you take a little bit of a pay down and passing in between two city, you stop there, have a good fun with the people. So sell a little bit of merch, take pictures, you know? Yeah, that would be my perspective for sure. Like I would I would prefer to stop somewhere smaller if it A, broke up my drive. You get to, like you said, sell merch, take pictures, interact with the crowd, put on another show. And yeah, you talk with people. People are, And people are grateful. Exactly. Especially from those towns where they don't actually get many concerts. Like if you can line up somewhere, uh, what was it? A few years ago, I went to the Slayer concert in Fort McMurray, Alberta. In Fort McMurray. Slayer went to Fort McMurray. Yeah. So, yeah, it was Lamb of God, Slayer, and Behemoth. And it it was a great lineup, but I was like, what are they doing up there? And then I saw, the same year, I saw Ed Kowalczyk doing his 20 year anniversary tour of the Throwing Copper album live. And he actually stopped in Dawson Creek. Luckily, he stopped in Calgary, too, so that's where I went, but in Dawson Creek, and I'd never seen another concert stop there. So it was just cool to see that they're including these little towns, uh, these obscure yeah. towns, smaller towns that nobody have really has really heard of. And it's, 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 it's not easy sometimes. It's really not easy. You know, we're, we're touring Canada myself, I, I went to some place I never freaking heard about it. You know, I, I, I remember playing with Red Deer in Alberta. <laughs> yep. What's Red Deer? It's like it's in between Calgary and Edmonton. I was like, okay. And we played there that's once. Pretty and much it. <laughs> that, that, that's you resume it. Like it's literally in the middle there. And we played there and people were grateful that people from the, the place we're playing they were super stoked. And was like, wow, okay. And yeah, if ever we're going back there. We're gonna go back and hopefully it's gonna be the same place and it was cool you know now apart from the fans and playing you know obscure shows places in uh, like bigger cities it goes without saying that you've also played and toured with and obviously made some great great friendships over the years yeah. so previously you've spoken about your friendship with the guys in suffocation dimu borger borgier how do you say that is it borger or borgier 
Dimu Borgir. Borgir, okay. I definitely butchered that. But anyways, so it's got to be pretty cool seeing some of your friends succeed the way they have and keeping pace with them at the same time. So how do you think your long-standing friendships with other musicians have influenced where you go in music, whether it be sound, consistent releases, touring schedule, or even musicianship? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, but unfortunately, if I can say so, it didn't influence me in any kind of ways because, uh, for example, my f- like Selenos and Shagrath that I'm really friends with, uh, most of the time when we meet, we don't talk about music. So we just talk about life, you know, hey, how your business going like beside the band, you know, stuff like that, you know. Uh, how's the kids, you know, uh, did you get the new car you wanted, you know, stuff like that. It's pretty much like, you know, regular Joe discussion. I haven't uh, seen the guy from Behemoth in a while. I think I've seen them like two years ago and that was not much. I, I we were leaving the next day for, t- for, for us. And the only thing I said to Nergal, I say, yeah, we're, we're going to get hit hard because of your tour. And uh, that's just like we were playing the same day, like in the same city, not the same show, which was really bad for us. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's, that's uh, you know, he was telling me personal stuff. And I didn't stay very long. I said, yeah, I just came to say hi because I, I can't stay for the show. We, we're... We're living tonight, blah, blah, blah. And, and it was a big hug and, you know, typical name, friend stuff. And so you've obviously shared the stage with some incredible bands over the years, like we've already touched on, Suffocation, Behemoth, Malevolent Creation, Obituary, Deicide, uh, just to name a few. And then even a couple of my previous guests in Neuraxis, The Convalescence, and Fracturous. So do you remember the first, like, quote-unquote, big band that you played with? No. Uh, I think it was Napalm Death. Yeah. And 92 or 93. Something like that. If I remember correctly, yeah, it was Napalm Death. It was on the Utopia Banish tour. I remember they came. Like a... What? Sorry. No. I, I was just going to say, like, this might sound like a strange question, but. You said that you played with them back in 92. Does it feel like it was that long ago? Uh, that's funny because uh, when we recorded the, the last album, I was in Vegas. Uh, we are working on the new album with Logan Matter from Machine Head. And uh, it's funny because Mitch, uh, that is not the guitarist, is, is not in Napalm Dead anymore, but... He's been the main guitarist of Napalm that like for so long. And back in the day, I met I met him on that show, and we were talking about that, you know. And uh, we just sat down and having like having beer, and we, we just like we started to talk. Hey, you remember that place? Blah 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 blah. You know, like this. And it's like we never lost touch of each other, like and all this time you know we're laughing and you know of course drinking and you know it it was just like and started to have like a competition of who's the best singer in that era of like um 
80 something uh, that album of Sodom was better than the other one no because this and you know talk like that you know and it, it was feeling like kind of like I, I don't know it's kind of it's a long time ago but it's kind of not it's strange it's kind of a one point the time stopped to exist and it's it's really strange it's really strange you know we we say hey i haven't seen you since 93 you know man or maybe i saw him like a couple of time after that but you know no actually i saw him yeah, but uh, i mean time to just sit down and do nothing that was a long time ago yeah i don't know it's it's just a i don't have a, a big sense of uh, time I get lost easily on schedule. I'm really lucky my manager is always bringing me back on like, say, you have an interview today, you have this, you know, and reminders and stuff because I get lost easily with times. I just focus on what I have to do for, right, like right now I'm focused on, on loud as hell. I'm just thinking about that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when it's going to be over, I'm going to have my head on something else. So... Yeah, time is strange sometimes. Yeah, I definitely feel that now. And I think that changed substantially for me during COVID. Like, it just seemed like everything was just the same day. Yes, uh, COVID changed uh, a lot uh, the perception of uh, time, actually. Yes, true. Since we moved back in time just a little bit here, I'm just curious to know when you started to pick up the guitar and started to learn vocals. Uh, I think it was 13, I think. But I, I already, already wanted to do like uh, music since I was four. Uh, and before that, we were, uh, it was really uh, popular at the end of the 70s and the 80s, the beginning of the 80s. Uh, we were doing lip syncing shows. Not like a musician these days that just lip sync their own music. Uh, we're doing like kiss shows and stuff like that. You know, lip syncing with the tape or the vinyl playing in the back. I was doing that for with some friends, so we're always uh, really, really, really excited to do this, like in birthday parties and stuff like that. You know, as kids, it was pretty, pretty cool. You know, the other guys that were doing that for fun, you know, just to to play the star or whatever. Yeah, I, I was doing it because I wanted to be a musician, which, you know, I I still stick to my gun in my 50s. So <laughs> um, it's a thing that haven't changed in that way, that perspective. I'm, I'm still just want to do that. And uh, yeah, later I started to learn on some of my friends' guitar. Uh, every weekend I was going there and spending the entire day until like supper time, uh, just like learning and starting a kind of like bands together because he had his family was like uh, musicians. They had everything: drums, bass, amps. So we, we started like from really crappy. Then uh, at one point I started to, you know, I could play chords and, you know, 
have a sense of tempo and everything. And uh, yeah, it's, and so when I got my first actual guitar myself, I was I already knew how to play. So uh, yeah, I think it's at 13 I had my first guitar or something like that. Started the band, I was 16, 17. Sorry, when you said you started the band when, at 16 or 17, are you talking about Necronomicon or the first band that you ever worked with? Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, I know that we've already touched on this, and this is another struggle that you're currently going through. In the past, when you have changed band members, how have you noticed that this has affected your sound, and are there benefits to having new members injected into the band? Actually, the sound of the band uh, have changed only because I wanted it to change, because like at the beginning, the, I... The band was super democratic, if I can say. Uh, everyone had his word, and with time, I started to realize that it was slowing down the band. So, but I didn't want it to, you know, try to be in control, bracket, you know, uh, of the band. Uh, it just happened naturally, actually. Uh, it. it at one point, some member left and my management at the time said, you know what, you need to realize that you're the ones going to have to take the lead of the band because everything's going too slow, you know, and you're losing opportunities because this and that. And so at that point and uh, at the end of the 90s, uh, I, I decided to say, OK, I'm just going to focus on going the way I want to go and that's it. So uh, instead of like, hey guys, we should do that. Oh yeah, man, but I want to and so there, there's no point of arguing on this. It's like there's a way to to go. There's anyone and everyone need to look in the same direction and that's how it works. And I learned with time that mm, Bands that have success always have one or two person that take the decisions and the other ones follow. And the best example is Metallica, actually. So when you start to be really in the real, real business, the real thing, the real band stuff, it's always one or two guys that decide. Like in Metallica, you have James at writing the music and you have like Lars that's taking care of the business. So that gives you an idea. But, you know, when you start playing music, you say, oh, a band, everyone is equal. No, that's, that's, that doesn't exist. And you taking lead was almost born out of necessity in order to kind of steer the machine that was Necronomicon rather yes. than a choice that you just actively made. Yeah, actually at the beginning, and I was not happy about that because I didn't thought that I had I was not seeing myself, you know, as a leader or some some stuff like that. I never been very comfortable on that position. I mean, things have changed. I mean, I've been doing that for so long now. But uh, you know, I've, there's always like there's always been like a little little discomfort, if you can I can say, and even sometimes still, still, and that's why we have like our manager now that she cut uh, like in the fat like i said okay like, you're 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 too hesitant right now the decision need to be taken and she take the decision so it it helps a lot 
when you are introducing new members to the band, what are some of the things you look for? And of course, skill is being one of those things. Actually, skills are these days, there's so many good musicians. People are learning faster with the advent, like the advent of like YouTube's and all that shit, you know, which wasn't existing at all when I started, you know, and, uh, uh, if you were lucky, you had a friend that know how to play and show you a little bit. And when you had a little bit more money, you could have a lesson. But that was not my case. Uh, skills are almost second these days because, like I said, a lot of people know how to play. And it's more the overall... It's a package. It, it, it needs to be a package. It's not just that a guy can blast, who can play super well. Uh, it's it need to be the attitude, the attitude, the way of thinking, uh, how you you know you hold yourself together and then all that you know. Uh, of course, uh, myself in the economic and there's a there's no drugs, uh, zero drug tolerance uh, because of stuff that happened in the past. You know, at one point you say, oh, you, the guy is good. You know, I don't care what he does. Yeah, but at one point when it starts to affect the band, that's a different story, you know. So you need to put the point on the I and the T, the bar on the T on some stuff and to be sure that things work properly. For you, like you said, the skill... The skills are kind of secondary, but you're looking for somebody who gels well with the band, who has the same level of determination, who's able to put in what you're requiring of them as well. And then also keep in mind some of how, how to stay away from some of their negative behaviors, I guess. Well, yeah, negative behavior, it depends on what we, we you know, call behavior uh, negative, you know, uh, uh, you know, like for myself, I like to enjoy like couple of drinks you know sometimes a little bit more but you know I'm, i don't drink uh before going on stage uh i rarely drink after also on tour i don't i don't drink as much you know i drink more like relax at home with you know watching a movie i'm gonna have like two or three beers you know uh but i'm not gonna go like on stage after i'm not gonna drink as simple as that uh that's stuff that you need to be super in control uh you know, drugs is different because they have kind of different uh, from past experience, really bad thing that happened. Uh, but yeah, I mean, skills is one thing. I mean, of course, you need to be able to play the music. You know, it's just like, uh, yeah, I want to be in the band and blah, blah, blah. And you can't play the most basic song, you know. You need to go in reverse there. You need to start with the hardest one. It's like, yeah, I can play that, you know. And, of course, if the person tell me, yes, I can play it, it's one thing. I'm going to trust the person that's telling me. I don't need to see it. I need to talk with the person about other stuff. And when it's the time before the real audition like of the skill, we can see it. Because I have someone not so long ago that was like uh, a few years back, they wanted to to be in the band and there was all talk and no show when when the stuff happened it was like yeah but it sounds better like that it's like who are you to say that you know interesting so the new member was saying that the band sounds better with what they brought to the table yeah 
It's like, who the, who are you? You know, yeah, I had, I had people doing that, changing parts that it sounds better like that. That that's not what I'm asking you. The songs is 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 composed and is recorded in a certain way, and that's what the fans expect. And so this actually brings me to my next question. You said that the songs are recorded a certain way. I'm wondering if you're alluding to this. So in a previous interview, when speaking about your album, Advent of the Human God, you mentioned that you stick to a more vintage way of working. So some real machines instead of plugins, using the least amount of editing as possible. So what's the reason that you choose to take this approach instead of incorporating newer technology into music? Ah, it's probably because I'm just an old guy. <laughs> <laughs> just, but you know, it, it was a bit different on the last album. Uh, we went a little bit more modern. Uh, not, you know, like, like I, I still like to play my entire track of guitar one shot. Uh, not like one riff and one riff and one riff, like a lot of people doing. Uh, I like to play like a main track and just fix little dents. That's how I like to do it. But we did like, uh, uh, how they called it these days, uh, uh, the reamping and stuff like that for the first time on the last album. Uh, I uh, it's the, the thing that bugs me a little bit about the last album, even if it's overall it's the album, the best production we ever did. Uh, I, I don't I have a little bit of difficulty with the guitar sound because I think it sounds a little bit too uh, <laughs> too modern. Uh, but that's me. You know, so judging by what you're saying, it sounds like, at least from your perspective, that the sound that you're looking for is difficult to replicate with using more modern technology like plugins. Yeah, yeah well, like, it's like there's always something missing. There's always a little something, a, a oomph. Like I'm, 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 I'm trying to explain. Sometimes there's an oomph that's missing. Uh, of course, like uh, if I record the way I like to record, it's a lot of people will say, yeah, it's not has defined. And yeah, of course, because you have the sounds coming from mic, entering a mic that's processed. And instead of having directly like the digital thing that tell you that one zero zero one zero zero one one zero zero one is the sound of, that you're looking for and replicate it. And you know, and recreate it, but there's always a certain physical, if I can say, aspect that's missing. Like that's that's my point of view. Of course, it's like there's something that in the vibration of the sound that's missing, the displacements of the air, you know, something like that. You know, that's like I said, that's pretty personal. Is it almost sounding as if it's too manufactured? Yeah. Yeah. I, in a way, yeah. It's like, it's, it's like you get used to eat like processed food, you know? You get used to it. It's, it's the same thing, you know? Uh, this lesson in restoration, you know, in restaurants these days, there's a lot of things is pre-prepared. You don't have as much like of as real, like uh, you you order pizza. You know they have pre pre uh, fuck. You know they have buckets of of, of prepared uh, veggies that they just 
remove the the, 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 the industrial wrap on it and they put like they, it's in the, the fridge they receive it the, uh, frozen they put it in the fridge so it's just like fresh enough and after that if they don't use it at the end of the day they throw it out and the dough is pre-prepared uh, they don't like do it by hand you know stuff like that it's the same thing doesn't mean you know they they had the spice the flavor the gms whatever you call it that gave the boost of flavor but it sounds for me when i hear these bands the the uh, like the band you mentioned alone or shore or whatever i heard one song and so it sounds so fake it sounds it's over processed i'm not saying they suck or whatever it's just this sounds like all the bands these days they don't have a sound. They sound like all the other bands. You know, it's like when you hear Zach Wild, it's Zach Wild you hear. You know, you recognize a sound. It was the same with Dimebag. It was the same with Randy Road. The same with Ingvi Momstein. You know? You know, or, or, or ZZ, even ZZ Top, if you go less heavy, you know? You hear it, you know it's them. It's not even just metal that's suffering from this too. Like if you look at pop, if you look at rap, even country. Yeah, yeah. I'm t- we're talking because it's it's metal now, but it's a, you're right. It's everything is super processed. Everything is like fake. Everything is fake. I wonder if it goes back to that same mentality where we were talking about band members joining the band and saying, you know, I want all the good stuff. I, I think people are taking what they think are the proper ingredients for good metal music or good music in any genre, just putting them in there and not mixing them properly. They, they, they're putting everything in like we both touched on, like in, in a manufactured way, it's all prepared. Yep. You know, you need to break down here. You need the blast beats. You need this, this, and this. Okay. We've got those. It's a good song, but it, it doesn't have that personality or that same, like you, you, you mentioned impact as some of the older stuff. And I'm not sure if it's just simply because of the stripped down, uh, technology you kind of had to present yourself more into more individually back then or if it's just because there's or if it's in part due to the just the sheer amount of people coming forward releasing music i think it's a mix of both uh also also it's you have to remember that everything these days is cons- quick consumable it, it needs to be consumed fast it's like everyone's gonna throw themselves at the new iphone even if iPhone is like totally not in the game anymore, it's been years. You know, Android's phones are way superior. Like Mac, like, you know, all Apple products, it's a brand. It's to have the name, to be hip, to be in, and be in the game. You know, buy a camper, buy an XFX, you know. Uh, it's the same thing. I want to have like the, these ugly guitars. I don't have heads, you know, I don't remember a Strandberger or something like that. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's trends. Everyone's going with trends. They don't know who they are. They're going with trends. And it's, it's why I think, I mean, people won't agree with me. Fine. You know, Fine. You know, I do what I want. You know, I got people saying, oh, your music, you know, you do guitar solo that doesn't fit in your style of music. I said, who the fuck you are to tell me that? I do what I want. I'm like, I don't, I don't give a fuck. I do what I want to do. 
It's like, oh, that song is too basic. Yeah, it's meat and potatoes. It feed you, you know? I'm not trying to, like, masturbate my guitar. <laughs> I'm not trying to prove that I'm better than anyone. I don't, I don't, I play because I want to play. If I do two chords for one song, it's going to be two chords. I have people that have been complaining on the last album because we hear my my hand when we, we have, like, we stop in between chords, you hear my hand gliding on the strings. It's like... Interesting. Yeah, I had people complaining about that. You know, the album, oh, we hear, like, the quick, quick, quick. I said, yeah, because I'm playing guitar. I'm playing for real, by the way. You know? It's like, oh, you put a noise gate and you cut that. These days, you don't have to hear that. You're going to computer. You're erasing between. Nope. I don't want to do that. Okay, but you can erase it on the on the album. But if you're playing and it comes out like that, are people not going to be pissed if you if you have something different than what's it's going to be album? exactly the same? You're going to hear it exactly the same. It's as simple as that. And if you notice these days, now it you know with with uh, uh, with with the campers and all the stuff, they have exactly the sound of their album. But even so, it's not going to sound the same because. You pass on the PA, that color, the sound, the room is different. And a lot of bands, you know, these new bands these days, they have playback. I mean, we're using playback also. What I can't have like 60 musicians on stage, like playing violins and, you know, brass and wood and all that shit, you know? So, of course, I, I'm using playbacks with symphony, with symphonic like orchestra and choir but a lot of these bands these days they use like they they play and they have other guitar tracks to beef their sound that's 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 really impressive and not in a good way i mean anyway that's my point so some bands use backing instrumental tracks as well. Like obviously, I I understand like symphonics and different type of. Oh, that music. I'm okay with that because, that. like I said, I mean Rush was doing it like back in the '80s, uh, in the '90s a lot. They had playbacks uh, triggered by like drum pads and like you know some parts with uh, doubling the vocals and all the stuff that I can understand, you know, but not the main. You know, like they have, uh, I, I saw bands having other like guitar track playing, they playing with a guitar track, literally. And uh, 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 quite a few times, more than once, more than once. I don't know, it seems strange to me, like as an audience member, if if a band goes up there, I want to be able to hear most of their music as it, as it A would be on the album, but I want to hear them be able to do that live. If, if I'm going to watch somebody just use backing tracks, I might as well just go to an EDM concert. Yep. I totally agree with you. Speaking of putting things together for live shows and for albums, backing tracks and all that kind of stuff, are you currently working on new music? I have some new music, yes. I have some new music. I haven't worked on it for a little while, though. Uh, because of like a bunch of stuff that happened. And uh, like I said to another interview, uh, the fact that we don't have another album, it's, it's actually my choice. Uh, I just decided to wait because with all the COVID and stuff, 
Uh, already when we went back on the road, it was close to a disaster. We went on back on the road too early after, too soon after COVID. And it was really not good. It was really hard. Uh, things are not even back, totally back to normal right now. It's better, but it's not as good as, you know, I wonder if it's going to go, going to be back like, like it was before. But uh, only time will tell. Uh, but uh, after that uh, and doing other shows and stuff, uh, I decided to, I, I, I realized that everyone was like, new album, new album, new album, new album coming, new album coming. And I was like, okay, you know what? Everyone's going to release an album now. Uh, I'll wait. So, yeah. It's basically me who's been holding the, the new album. But there's, there's a lot, there's, there's, there's some stuff already that, that are uh, pretty advanced, actually. So I actually looked on Spotify just to see if you had released any new albums because I hadn't seen anything since uh, the 2019 release. There oh, was, there's nothing there's an album else. that came up and I thought it was a new album by you guys, but when I started listening to it, it was all electronic, and I'm assuming that's not you guys at all. No, there's, there's, uh, yeah, actually, some fans uh, wrote to us saying that there was a band uh, who uh, a DJ or whatever that did an album called Necronomicon, and it's been had on Spotify and it's mixed with us now. I've, I've been told that we need to look at it. Actually, uh, yeah, but you know, that's no, uh, I'll do country music before that. I think it's a good idea for you guys to wait for the dust to settle a little bit before releasing a new album. Like you said, there's going to be such an onslaught of new music after COVID there. It seems like not necessarily a bad thing to take a step back and, and release it once the fans have kind of had their fill. Yeah, it, it was like, at first I was like, yeah, we need to work on the new album, blah, blah, blah. And I started to compose and was doing well enough. And uh, we went on the road, did some stuff and... We had a meeting and I remember I was like, I don't know, I have a, I have a bad feeling. I'm, I'm looking at all the bands. Everyone's announced new album, new album, you know. Some bands that, like I said, I won't mention, are like uh, been releasing an album every fucking year now after COVID. I'm like, okay, dude, you know, okay, creativity, cool, but does it mean... That doesn't mean that you know that the album is going to be good. It's like, is it because the first failed and you say, oh, we need to do another one that's going to be more successful? But whatever the, the concept or the context, uh, I decided to hold it. It's as simple as that. I'm so far, I don't regret my choice. Yeah. And this is just an assumption on my part, but because of the personnel changes that have recently come your way, I'm guessing that you're planning to wait until you have another member on board before recording anything. Uh, not necessarily, not necessarily. Uh, I, I, I mean, because actually, I'm writing all the m music anyway. So uh, the drums and everything. So uh, it's. I mean, if I, I if I want a guy to do it, uh, I'll hire someone. It's as simple as that. And I'm gonna work with him. And uh, yeah, there's already some people that should uh, tell me they would be interested to to do it. So. When you're looking at putting out new music, actually, before I say that, so there's been like a trend that I've noticed speaking with some guests that a lot of people are tending to move towards just releasing singles or EPs rather than full-length albums. From your perspective, do you feel that there's the same value in producing a full-length album nowadays and why or why not? 
yes and no. Uh, yes, it, it goes back to the old way, like in the 50s, releasing singles and stuff like that. Uh, of course, it's more easy these days with, with digital uh, recording, with everyone can have, like, investing the decent m- amount of money. You have a decent studio at home. Uh, even at some point, there's some people who don't even record with real drummers, you know, uh, they program everything. They put, like, I think it's called Superior Drummer. And it sounds exactly, actually, a lot of modern bands, again, doing that these days, and the drummer learned the songs after. Sometimes they're not even able to play it. Uh, I've seen that a lot. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it could be good, uh, but, I mean, it depends on what you aim for, you know. Yes, I think it's a good idea. But I like to do albums, you know, like it's probably because I'm I'm older. I like the fact I have like the album and you build the entire booklet and uh, all the artwork and all the context, all the, you know, the, the stuff's going around. And to have like this, all the songs that you put out, usually they put, they always re- release one or two songs before, you know, the one they call single. Singles these days, it's it's more like like I said, like in the fifties. Uh, but I think it depends where you stand, and things are moving so fast. Uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. But personally, I think we're probably just gonna release a, a full new album. Taking a hard right here, I just noticed um, yesterday when I was putting together some notes that on Instagram you posted the front cover of a Conan the Sumerian book by Robert E. Howard. So is it safe to assume that you've read through the rest of his Conan works? Oh, I I have all of them. I have the entire collection. The caption on the picture said, inspirations are not always musical. So where where did Conan exactly inspire your your music or was it Robert Howard himself? Uh, I think... Well, uh, back in the days when I was like a kid and everything, everyone was about like Superman and Batman and all that stuff. And I mean, of course, I was watching Batman on TV, the replays from the 60s, you know, uh, the fun, the goofy one. And, uh, you know, there was comic books, you know, and at the store where my, my mom was working and, you know, kind of a dinner place. And there, there was like kind of a section that was selling tobaccos and candies and and magazines, you know, and there was like comic books and stuff like that. But, you know, as far as I remember, my, my father bought me Conan, the Barbarian. So I was a kid, but I mean, it's pretty brutal and stuff like that, but always noticed that it was not really for kids. Uh, Actually, it's pretty, when you look at, I still have some of them actually from back in the days. Uh, uh, in comic books and uh it's it's i don't know man it's the kind of like the world the the you know you need to be strong to survive you need to be clever like in that world you know and also the thing it's really related to lovecraft because uh robert uh our what was was writing his world wasn't in the same world than than lovecraft uh, it was super inspired by Lovecraft. It was actually, it was, a, it was, they were talking to, they were writing letters to each other. And Lovecraft was telling him like, 
yeah, you do good stuff and you should do this. And it was kind of coaching. It was kind of a little bit of his mentor, you know? And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's all coming back together, you know, uh, at the end, you know, but I've always been a big fan of Conan the Barbarian. Uh, I mean, the original, you know, people people always think about Conan, uh, like uh, with Arnie Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, which is a good movie, but it's really not, very not, <laughs> it's very different than the, the, the or actual Conan stories. I agree. Like when I was a kid, I started, I think the first comic book series that I ever collected was uh, the Savage Sword of Conan the Barbarian. Oh, yeah. And one thing I noticed is that it didn't take what I considered like a traditional fantasy approach. Like it was sword and sorcery, but it was brutal. It was it was grim. It was something that wasn't too fantastical. Like there wasn't too much magic. Whereas you take something like Lord of the Rings and it's a completely opposite end of the fantasy spectrum. Yeah, it's it's really grim. It's really grim. It's very, very dark. And it's it's not like... He, he, I mean, his Conan is like freaking strong and fast and all that shit. But yeah, people say, yeah, he's going there, he's killing everyone. Uh, yes and no, because there's some part that he knows is he needs to run away. I remember that clearly. Sometimes it's trying to find, like, fight whatever monster is coming from the fucking depth of, of whatever pit somewhere, and his natural instinct tell him that he's he, he won't make it, and he, he need to find a way to get the fuck out of there, you know. And uh, that's really different than, oh, I'm almighty, I'm gonna kick your ass, you know, and boom, boom, you know indestructible and stuff like that and he's really strong and really like powerful and everything but he knows his limit you know and that's another thing that i like about him you know he knows when to get to run away and uh, in the books it's it's pretty pretty predominant that sometimes uh, you feel the like you said an example you feel the, the the creature is like from a different total era of times and the like you know, you know, so you feel the hair on his neck like rising. <laughs> you know, you need, you know, he's freaking scared as fuck. You know, so you know, it's, 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 I like that. He's not, he's kind of super powerful, but he's not, you know, insane like superhero powerful. You know, magic like like you said, but the magic and Conan's really dark. Also, when it's magic, it's it's like it's very powerful very doom you know and it's also from my perspective like grounded in reality is kind of the way i would look at it like it's it's not as fantastical so if you're into that style of writing um a series that i'm going through for a second time here is joe abercrombie's first law trilogy it's like super grim it's very violent but it's that style that kind of just draws me in and but is it uh, is it like a novel or is it the cartoons yeah, it's a series of three novels, and um, I can't remember the exact length, but they're quite a bit smaller than, say, something you'd find from Brandon Sanderson, but that exact style of fantasy that I just crave, like, it's it's violent, grim, and it's not over the top, like The Lord of the Rings or something. Yeah, which The Lord of the Rings is really good, also. It's different. It's just... Totally, but sometimes I just like that 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 visceral violence where it's just, it's explicit, it's lower stakes, like, we're not, we're not chasing like an all-powerful lord ruler is just there's some politicking here and there there's a couple wars yeah. smaller scale uh, consequences i guess yeah 
Now, the last question I have for you today, Rob, is we've chatted a little bit about um, your musical history, but the one thing I failed to ask was who are currently some of your favorite bands or bands on heavy rotation? <laughs> that, uh, that's the kind of question that all people are always like, you know, I have people have, you know, they're jaw dropping, uh, pretty much just like ZZ Top these days. So uh, a lot of ZZ Top. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Um, you know, when I, I get like a little bit more, uh, I need a bit more power. It's going to be Motorhead. Uh, Motorhead, like uh, Black Label Society. You know, stuff like that. Yeah, I'm not, uh, I don't, I don't listen to any extreme music at all. It's been a very long time. I always find that unique coming from musicians who play extreme music when they say that they don't listen. It's just, a, it's an interesting contrast to me. Well, for me, it's, it's just like for what I do, uh, what I, I do as music and my music and what I listen for me, it's in the same, it's heavy metal, you know, it's metal, you know, it's rock and roll, you know, and it's, it's just, it doesn't, especially these last 10 years, I don't, I, I haven't heard anything that impressed me, that brought me something that maybe more than 10 years, actually, uh, you know, I don't know. There's nothing that's. It's maybe it doesn't help because of the production. It, it it's literally like all the bands are the same bands. You know, there's like two, three, four. You know, like okay, there's this. They sound like like this, and these ones sound like this, and this one sound like that, and it's like there's a billions of bands in that one or two categories, and that's pretty much it. So. Uh, haven't heard I, I mean even albums from my friends like I, I haven't heard Behemoth since I think Demigod in 2005 so I haven't even heard a few songs of the album after but that's it but to give you an idea uh, yeah I'm, I'm listening a lot of ZZ Top a lot of ZZ Top and you know Black Label and you know, stuff like that, you know, stuff that are really groovy and meat and potato, you know. Back when all this sounds are new, like it seemed more genuine. I mean, I mean, it's 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 okay. I mean, I like the first Ghost album, the first first one. I like it. I liked it. I was like, okay, that's cool. And after that, I was like, okay, they're going somewhere. I was like, okay, there are a few songs, and oh, there's another album. Oh, there's only one good song. You know, <laughs> but you know, that's, I tried. <laughs> so they kind of came out with, with something that did hook you in originally. And then was it just because they continued with the same formula or they didn't really, I don't know. I, I, really I think the same impact. The I have no idea, but it's, it's just the first, I think the first album was freaking awesome. It was, it was kind of like, Blue Eyes to a Club, uh, Cult, and uh, Club. <laughs> <laughs> and like in, you know, the gay bar and uh, and Police Academy. <laughs> I'm always mixing these two. Uh, yeah, Blue Eyes to a Cult and uh, Merciful Fate. 
you know, all merciful fates, kind of a mix of that. And which I'm a big fan of merciful fate, you know, uh, I've always been a big fan of King Diamond and stuff like that. Uh, of course, I, I'm not sure of the last albums, you know, I stopped at, I don't remember, but I think Puppet Master. But anyway, so yeah, so the first album really got me. And after that, I was like, okay, there's two, three songs. Okay, oh, there's only one good song. And after that, I was like, okay, what the fuck is that shit? It went too poppy for me, too pop. You know, if I want to listen pop, I'm going to listen pop. You know? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Awesome, Rob. Well, thank you again for joining me today. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. And no problem. I will hopefully see you at Loud as Hell. Are you guys planning on staying the whole weekend? Uh, I think we're playing in the weekend, yeah. I haven't looked at the schedule yet. You know, we, we just booked the flights uh, two days ago. And I'm still, I have like, I <laughs> had some stuff I had to do in my, in my house. So and it took my entire day yesterday to fix that. You know, uh, having a house is uh, sometimes it's um, a little bit demanding. Yeah, it can be a pain in the ass for sure. Yeah. So I guess we'll see you there. Definitely, 100%. Awesome. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.